is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. Let's get right into it. So March Madness is pretty fantastic. I mean, and I, I have written in Wax Poetic a little bit about how sad it is that Ohio State is not there to enjoy it. Um, but I got to tell you, man, and, and George, again, thank you so much for filling in and coming in for Andy. And, you know, we're really excited to talk to you, obviously. But here's what I'll say about this. As much as I am disappointed that Ohio State is not in the NCAA tournament, I have still, despite this, and maybe in spite of myself, because I, I didn't expect to get as invested as I have, this has been a really great tournament so far. Like, I, I think it's had a lot of exciting games, obviously the huge upsets, but this is a lot of fun. And, and I think it reminds us why it's so important to get into the damn thing in the first place. First of all, uh, you know, for the for the loyal listeners, you can you know things are getting desperate around the dubcast when Johnny has to keep <laughs> going to the, the well of the bottom of the masthead to uh, for for co-host. So I'm I, if you hated hearing me two weeks ago, I'm sorry that I have to be the nails on the chalkboard in your ears once again. But uh, you know, Johnny, I'm very grateful you had me back. Well, we're grateful uh, to have you. <laughs> that being said, um, I actually you know kind of like when Ohio State isn't in it um, just because it's nice to not really worry about how they're going to do. I mean, it's they usually you're making picks for brackets and they end up getting lost in the mix anyway. I feel like that there's just there's so much going on and it's such an exciting tournament that it's like even if they lose, you know, unless it's some spectacle like the Oral Roberts game, it's usually Mm going to be something that is, uh, you know, I don't want to say get swept under the rug. I know there's still plenty of people that like bringing up the uh, Siena loss from like what uh, two millennia ago or whatever <laughs> it was, but you know, there's people who, like before sens- COVID didn't exist. In my yeah, opinion. exactly. So, I mean, people like sensation sensationalizing Ohio state's failures when, you know, it's on a national scale. And so I think just for me, not having to worry about dealing with that immediate aftermath when they, you know, I mean, it's hard to win a national championship. So if that doesn't happen, which it hasn't happened lately for this team, and you got to deal with people, you know, piling on Ohio state when they lose to, you know, whether it's Kansas or, uh, you know, Siena or Oral Roberts or uh, Wichita state, they're just going to have to deal with shit. And when they're not, in the tournament, you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the madness for what it is. And that's what we got to do as fans this weekend. And uh, there was certainly a lot of it. And there was no, if you're one of the people like me who enjoys laughing at, you know, the bucket of crabs, that is the big 10 you, you had a lot of fun the last four days. Isn't it, isn't it like completely unsurprising that what we're left with in the big 10 is Michigan state. Isn't it like, I know every year, and and it seems like this is happening more often lately, is that towards the end of the season, you know, in February, everybody's looking at Tom Izzo and Michigan State. It's like, ah, they're 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 cooked. Like, come on, man, this they're done. They're not going to make any noise in the tournament. And then every year they come in and they just suddenly evolve into the most dangerous team possible, at least the most dangerous version of themselves. And so that's it. They're they're left. And I mean, right now it looks like, I mean, you look at their bracket. Okay, they get past Kansas State. You know, they win that one. Could they be in the Final Four? I don't know. I mean, I that stuff just cracks me up. And it's the same thing with. I mean, in Alabama. I mean, that's obviously a whole 
ball of wax that you know we could spend hours on but they have a pretty straightforward path to the you know to the national championship even at this point i mean they beat san diego state uh they got to play the winner of creighton and princeton uh, teams that combine for a 21 seed i think that's fine i think they'll be okay um i don't know man that that side of the bracket right the east the east and the south does not impress me or intrigue me now that you've gotten some of the upset minded teams out of the way. So like fairly Dickinson, for example, you know, losing to FAU sad, uh, wanted to see them continue, but th- that seems weak. The other side of the bracket though, I'm very interested in seeing what happens with Houston. Um, I want to see Xavier as a, you know, Southwestern Ohio native. I want to see Xavier make some noise. And then I would love to see like, for instance, Mick Cronin, you know, obviously if previously of Cincinnati, go in and play Xavier or something to find a four. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm really excited for the next round of the games because there's a lot of intrigue. There are a lot of teams that, you know, it's going to be, I think, mostly chalk from here on out, but some teams that may surprise other people. I don't know. I, let me ask you this real, real quick before we get into the end game. Okay. So far in the tournament, George, what is your favorite game that you've seen so far? Oh, that's tough. It it stinks because uh, my favorite result was one that I didn't even really get to fully watch. I mean, Princeton beating Arizona is just so funny to me. Oh, it, it is. It, 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 and, and you have to understand, I grew up in like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm very. I, I had two working parents that both did very well in their careers, and I was, I was very privileged to get to grow up in the north suburbs of Chicago. And for mm-hmm. a lot of the the kids that, you know, were growing up in an affluent area, you know, for for all for every, you know, handful that you had going to the Ivy League and whatever, you had a bunch that you know recognized that they were going to be trust fund babies and that they didn't have to work hard and so that they could go somewhere like Arizona despite you know getting a private education from middle school up or even earlier than that you know mm. they could just go on easy street go to some party school and and just have it easy and uh you know just cruise so i've uh I've always kind of just because I know Arizona has had that brand with the people that I grew up around that I didn't necessarily like. I've always kind of resented them for that just because Arizona's represented the easy path to me. And to see, you know, Princeton come into the tournament in the NIL era and, you know, the old school basketball nerds just mm-hmm. whip up and down these guys that are that are there for paychecks and, uh, you know, <laughs> get involved, mixed up in Greek life and whatever else and not really go to school, even though they're at college, which I'm sure you have some opinions about as a <laughs> as a man of education. Uh, it's perhaps I, I didn't get to watch all of that game, but it, it filled me with a lot of joy to see Princeton do that to Arizona because uh, it couldn't have happened to a more deserving bunch well, to say the least and princeton goes out and they want missouri and so now they've got creighton um who who took out baylor and that's i mean i think that's a really interesting bracket I, I will say i want somebody to take out alabama um there's just it's it's just so like sleazy right now with how that program everything around it everything's how, how, how poetic they're even getting if they play princeton in the elite eight oh right? my god i mean just like the like i was making a joke in i my final four i thought i Alabama was going to play Duke. And I thought that had all the billings of 
what was going to be like a Catholics versus conflict or Catholics versus convicts sort of vibe with like what the Notre Dame Miami thing had. And I I thought it was inevitable just because of the media blitz that's been swirling around that Alabama team. Duke goes out. So I figured that went up in flames, but all of a sudden you've got Princeton that I think, you know, kind of represents that same, you know, it's not, Catholics, obviously, but I think you kind of get at what I'm I'm building at in terms yeah, yeah. of that kind of higher brow, you know. The I I don't know if you want to call it class warfare, but you know you've got the upper echelon of Princeton against you know framed against this well it's very you, horrible it's ongoing them. crime show that's going on at Alabama, and right. it's uh you know it it just gives it stirs up a lot of the same things that I think Notre Dame Miami did in football in the 90s. well and if Creighton gets them that is, that is a Catholic institution, so you could have it that way too. I didn't so actually know that that's very interesting yeah. you know yeah, the Jesuits, just, big time Jesuit school interesting um, okay their uh, their Latin motto is like like. I think it's like academia Creightonness or something. It's like, a, it's like a super low effort Latin motto. It's basically like this is the University of Creighton, but in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that I I agree with you. I think that would be sick. I want to see Princeton kind of move on and God, I mean a 15 seed. Like I said, they want they want Missouri after getting past Arizona. We'll see what happens with the Creighton. Creighton looked pretty good against Baylor, I think, and and a lot of people were putting Baylor as one of those like insights. And, and I think that it's important, you know, in terms, you know, you said the South and East, you think are kind of underwhelming in terms of that. You've it's it's cool that you're going to have a six or a fifteen seed guaranteed in the Elite Eight next round. That's in true. The South, even if there's a you know pretty good likelihood they're probably going to bow out to Alabama, at least you've got a team you know, that's that far back in the bracket that's advancing that far. And then by that same token, you know, I know everyone was rooting for Farley Dickinson, but that game they played with Florida Atlantic last night ripped. Well, if Florida Atlantic beats Tennessee, I mean, if you've got Michigan State or Kansas State, if you've got Michigan State upsetting them and then you've got a nine versus seven game in the Elite Eight all of a sudden – You've yeah. got a very, very far back seed going to the final four. And I know nobody wants to see Izzo there again, but there that's still exciting that you've got teams that are in that, you know, right. those back seedings that are still advancing this far. So I and think there's still plenty of intrigue in those areas. That's a good point. And I will I will tell you something, man. That fairly Dickinson FAU game, that that is actually my pick for most entertaining game so far. And, and I know you've got all those other upsets, and I'm not trying to take anything away from those, just from a a pure like excitement standpoint i love to see the upsets but in terms of like entertainment value and in in terms of the basketball being played that was a sick game and i would also add that a lot of the people here in columbus ohio got a front row seat to some pretty kick-ass back basketball it Um, it was the greatest game between a 16 and a nine seed certainly (laughs) the best since umbc played uh whoever they lost to in 2018 Yeah. And and so that's the thing, man. Like it's, it's all over the place. That's what makes this whole tournament so freaking awesome. Um, I, you know what, if I'm looking at the teams remaining, I still have, uh, you know, maybe a soft spot in my brain for uh, <laughs> not my heart, my brain uh, for the Zags. I want to see them finally win. I don't think they actually will. Um, right now, Alabama looks really good, but Xavier even, man, if Xavier could, could, break through, get to a final four, get to a national championship game. I would, I would love that. Even I, I, you know, I grew up a Cincinnati fan, honestly, a Cincinnati basketball fan. I was always an Ohio state football fan, but in terms of like college basketball, I was a big UC, a uh, big UC kid. 
Mm-hmm. And I still would love to see Xavier go out there and, and kick some butt. And particularly because I don't want to see McCronin uh, successful um, after leaving the uh, the west side of Cincinnati for uh, for L.A. So, um, which really, I mean, come on, they're not even comparable. Cincinnati is so much more cosmopolitan and nice to, to coach in. Um, so, yeah. Basketball tournament going great. A lot of entertainment, a lot of fun. Hopefully it emphasizes to, you know, Holtman and company that, hey, we got to get back to this thing because it's a big deal. Let's talk a little bit about women's basketball, though, because Ohio State is still playing basketball in March. Uh, the women today was able to uh, advance to the Sweet 16. They defeated number six seed North Carolina, went down right to the wire. Uh, J.C. Sheldon uh, hit a huge huge shot at the very end of that game uh, to put Ohio State up for good. That was, you know, the thing is, is that Ohio State over the past several years, you know, has had a lot of talent. They've had a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of ladies rather to, to go out there on the court, perform really well during the regular season. And then I think have a lot of times disappointed in the actual tournament. This looks like a team a little bit, made of tougher stuff if that makes sense um would you agree with that or i don't know how do you feel about their chances going forward i mean i feel kind of bad because like when i was on here two weeks ago and we closed out the show with like you know shouting out their performance in the big 10 tournament i you know i i kind of framed it as like oh it's cool that they did this because you know i don't know how much more success that they're gonna have at you know the rest of the way based on how they just did in the tournament and the kind of slow decline that they had from when they were undefeated to start the season. And then not, not that they totally dropped off or anything, just that, you know, they didn't regain like a, you know, top three ranking or anything like that. Um, But, you know, I look, I'm not going to say that I've been religiously following this team um, because like, you know, it's it's obviously baked into what I just admitted I said at the end of the last show that I did, um, which is why I'm admitting that, because that's why, you know, I was it was it was cool to see them come back against James Madison the other day. Um, and then, you know, I kind of made you encouraged about how they were going to do against UNC mm-hmm. and then to watch them today. um you know, they were leading comfortably for most of the game and then almost let it get away from them at the end. But then, uh, you know, Sheldon, man, I mean, she was just she even when she, you know, had to get her knee taped up like she was like as steady a presence as could be from the from the very, you know, all the way to the end for them and was obviously there when she uh, when the team needed them. It was uh, it was great to see, and you saw too. I mean, just how important it is at this stage for those leaders to be there for their teams. Because oh, the yeah. uh, what was her name, Kelly for North Carolina, I believe, spent a lot of, and it was interesting because she got hurt in the closing, like I, I think in the last maybe six or so minutes of the fourth quarter, and their team was down ten at that point. She, you know, best player for UNC went out and then her team went on a run to get back mm-hmm. in the game. And then she came back in and it all of a sudden, I mean, it looked very discombobulated and they definitely didn't have any of the momentum. And, you know, right. for Sheldon to just step up, especially after, uh, you know, the the injuries that she had to, to overcome to even get to this point. I mean, what that's 
you, you can't be happier for uh, for a student athlete at Ohio State to have a moment like that. It's uh, it's it's a wonderful cool. thing. So I'm I'm excited to see what else this team does. But it uh, you know I it's especially with the void that men's basketball left for a lot of the fan base this year. Uh, it's really cool that uh, this team has had the kind of visible success that it has and yeah. uh, it's 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 been fun and i hope that i hope the ride continues well the next the next game that they're going to have will be a difficult one no matter who they have to play because right now baylor is playing yukon yeah. and uh so not, <laughs> not not well and that that's rough right you're going to get either baylor or yukon uh i heard at least one of those quite, teams is pretty good yeah well the thing is though not quite where you would think that they would be um in terms of their historical success um i mean they've both won national championships in like the last five years i would think yeah well (laughs) second seed you got a two seed you got a seven seed uh uconn beat the absolute crap out of vermont in the first round um by like 45 points something like that 43 points it was a lot it's good Um, the catamounts are gonna have their day in the sun one day man i'm telling you (laughs) men's or women's in this tournament it's coming for them sometime it wasn't this year but if if fairly dickinson can go out there and do it why not them um, they keep getting tough draws. They do, and so uh, so Baylor and UConn. That's that's one of the, one of those two teams is who they're going to play next. Uh, and then after that, I mean, okay, well, it's it's only Virginia Tech and Tennessee in the same bracket. <laughs> so if they're going to make noise, they're going to do a Final Four. They're going to earn it. Um, but that's that's pretty cool. That'll be fun to see, and and we'll see how they perform in their next uh, next round. Let's talk about spring football just real briefly here. So. We're still trudging along. We're still doing our thing. Um, I feel like it's it's flying a little bit under the radar at this point, although I think when we get closer to the spring game, we're going to hear a lot more about quarterback play. In lieu of that, though, um, let's talk a little bit about what Jim Knowles was saying regard the li- regarding the linebacker position. Specifically says that Cody Simon can put himself in a position to play a, bit, a little bit more regularly. Um, says he wants to rotate him more, especially with Tommy Eichenberg out this spring. Um, Noel says that, you know, Cody's going to be coming up and, and and having a lot more of an impact. That is a position on the defense that you obviously want to be really, really solid going into next season because all the attention is going to be on the defensive secondary and, and how the hell they can avoid, you know, giant, you know, lapses of judgment and giving up huge gains and things like that. You want to have a defensive unit that you do not have to worry about. And so I think linebackers, that's, that's going to be a huge, huge point of emphasis. And of course you've got James Laurinaitis back in town and, and doing things. So I don't know. I, I personally want to see the restoration of where Ohio state was in terms of like linebacker prestige and the AJ Hawk, James Laurinaitis era. And in part, because I saw it in person, I was at Ohio state when all that went down and all those guys were there and everybody was like geeking out about how unbelievably good they were. But also I just want to see some consistency out of the defense. And it feels like a dude like Eichenberg and hopefully, you know, Cody Simon uh, can kind of bring that. But my question to you is George, when you're looking at the defense, what is the aside from you know like making sure the secondary is more consistent things like that? What's a place that you're really going to be looking at as a point of emphasis in the off season? I, I'm not too concerned about talent turnover to be honest. Um, okay, the thing that really made me encourage the past season was I I was completely out 
on Eichenberg uh, prior to the Rose Bowl. Um, a lot of people were. I mean, the dude was averaging like three tackles a game. No, I mean, everybody, we, it was funny because we had, um, we, we had been joking that he had earned the nickname in practice, the Night King. That's and right. I, and I made the point of emphasizing that that was appropriate, not because of his thousand yard stare, but because he played at the speed of a frozen zombie. Um, <laughs> and he really was tough Borland 2.0 in many respects. In terms of just kind of being a straight line run into the gaps guy and not really using a lot of lateral movement. And in one off season under Knowles, he became a consensus NFL draft pick caliber guy, like a top 10 NFL draft linebacker. Yeah. Like very, very one of the best players in the defense last year and a guy that they relied on enough that they needed him to play through several injuries. And he ended up earning my favorite nickname of last season, which was Tommy two thumbs. Uh, So he, he became one of, you know, a guy that I enjoyed watching play football. And I, for a lot of, the time that I knew him before last season, he was someone that I was resentful of just because he reminded me of tough Borland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to how good Jim Knowles is. And it makes me encouraged to think about what he can do with guys like CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles and a lot of the other younger talent they're going to be able to move in and rotate in. And then you're pairing that with the year-over-year excellence of what Larry Johnson is putting in on the defensive line. It's all stuff that you got to feel very good about. The thing that I'm going to be concerned about that I don't think we're necessarily going to see in spring practice or summer ball or even the spring game is that what ended up costing Ohio State against Michigan and against Georgia was the philosophy that Jim Knowles has, which is that if we're going to play these aggressive multi-look defenses that are throwing blitzes at you for a variety of angles and different amounts and packages, and that includes us not being afraid to throw a cover zero blitz at you on third down. Mm -hmm. And if Jim Knowles has communicated he is comfortable with giving up no more than five big plays per game in order to uphold that standard of play calling for the defense. How, like, the Michigan game proved that you only need five big plays to beat a team like Ohio State. That's, I was Even about to your say, offense is that five good. big plays sound like a lot? <laughs> if you watch that Michigan-Ohio State game, it's it like sure you only does. Three. It's, people <laughs> seem to forget Ohio State probably would have beaten Georgia if they didn't give up a, what, 80-yard bomb with like five minutes left in the game because one of their DBs literally fell over. I yeah. know that you can't necessarily attribute that to – you know, a schematic failure or anything. It's just like, you know, sheer bad luck that the guy fell over on the flyer out. But if you're still in that mentality of, oh, we can give up five enormous chunk gains or scores per game and still end up being fine, 
I mean, that'll probably get you close to the top of the conference if you're in the Power Five, but is it going to get you to the promised land, which is where this program wants to be? I don't think that it does. I want to see a much more conservative Jim Knowles this season in terms of blitz calling. I want to see a guy that is more committed on second and long and third and long to either surrendering a small run gain or commit or keeping guys back in their zone and not putting the pressure on the quarterback to make a a wrong decision that could lead to a turnover or something. Go for the smart play. Don't invite the risk of giving up a chunk gain so that you can have some sort of sensational play in the backfield. Do the smart thing. And I think that that is going to pay very, very big dividends in the later season games for this team. But to that point, we're not going to see that until later in the season. So I I really don't think that there's going to be a lot in terms of what I want to see that we're going to get answers for right now. Well, and that's and that's really the rub, right? Because you can have all of these great things and then even what you see on the field. And you go, oh, it's been fixed or oh, they're doing so much better or oh, this is what it looks like. And then you don't actually know until, you know, late November and you're you're actually like playing teams that with the pulse that are going to give you something. I mean, Maryland. <laughs> well, that's right. But the thing is, OK, we have made on the dubcast and, and online and things like that, people have made a lot of hay about Georgia's upcoming 2023 schedule, which is atrocious. I mean, let's be fair. It is, it is an incredibly bad schedule. I, I would not criticize anyone's schedule. I know, you know, George, I mean, every team in the sec, they're, you know, giving them guff every season. Cause they end up playing Chattanooga state in November or something. And sure. they all do that. We hate that. Um, but Eight home games last year? I couldn't believe it. a lot of home games. That was crazy. Like, that was one of the reasons I felt good about picking them to go to the title game, at least, if not win the national championship last year. Right. Because they got Michigan at home. Who was the toughest road game? Was it it Michigan State? Well, it ended up being Northwestern. um, Well, okay. Basically. All right. But that's that's the thing. Well, and now you get your your comeuppance in 2023 because you only get six. Yeah. So exactly. So yeah. we're, yeah, they'll, they'll feel that this year, especially at that. I'm telling you it at Michigan would have been a lot more fun if it had been going in one, one, uh, if they had been able to win this year, cause that would have yeah. made this a lot more. So I, I am not, I don't want to say I'm dreading going there this year, but if they don't win this year, three in a row and oh, this God. one in Ann Arbor, I mean that they're, they're going to be feeling themselves pretty hard if they win. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be tough on that. I've been able to kind of stick my head at the sand the last two years and be like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, we got a decade on you. You got to catch yeah, up yeah, right? yeah. three in a row. It's that's, that's God. hard. To, that's, that's hard to ignore. Yeah. I yeah. agree with that. That would be rough. Um, I don't know. I don't, you know, Michigan, there's, Last year in the offseason, I really thought the amount of chaos that was happening, what was going on with like coaching turnover at that place, the fact that they lost so many dudes in the transfer port, I was like, oh, forget it. I mean, this is they'll take they're gonna have to take a step backwards. And then of course they don't. And uh, you know, you'd be you know, beat Ohio State again. Um, yeah, that's I mean, going up to Michigan Stadium in late November is gonna suck. 
And of course, you you want them to win that game. You want them to be in it. You want them to have it. But that is going to be, that's going to be if if you know, if this was DefCon two last season, and I guess we can move it back a notch just because Ohio State ended up getting into the college football playoff. This is going to be DefCon one. This is going to be like the nukes are flying. You got to you got to take shelter. It's it's bad. It's it's going to be really big time stuff. I don't think Ohio State's back on their their way into uh, college football playoff if if you see a similar situation again. Um, but who knows? I don't know. There's always crazy stuff that can happen. They, so, lost, they lost and got in this year, and we didn't. That's think true. They, we didn't think they were going to get in. You know, they we needed a couple dominoes to fall, and they got lucky. So it's a it's a weird landscape, man. Anything can happen. But that's yeah, true. Better so, about a win than a loss. Yes, I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so we want to remind you that the Eleven Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at ElevenWarriors.com. DryGoods.ElevenWarriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers. Check it out. Buy them. They're great. They're amazing. Uh, DryGoods.ElevenWarriors.com. Let's go ahead and do the best segment in all of podcastum, which is of course, ask us anything. And I want to remind you all that you can ask us literally anything by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And uh, let's go ahead and start with this. Um, This is from Kevin who says, guys, are 100 men's basketball teams really better than the Ohio State men's basketball team? (laughs) So in other words... Uh, can we really can we really say that Michigan, Wisconsin, Rutgers, all these teams are are truly better than Ohio State men's basketball? Did they did they have a did they have a reason a right to uh, possibly be in the postseason? Given the fact that they did come out and um, you know look pretty good at the end of the the regular season in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, because you didn't. By the way, real quick, George, you did not expect them to do anything in the Big Ten tournament. I, in fact, had the faith, which is unusual. For John Ginter, I usually am not nearly that confident. I want to clarify. I said they are usually competitive in the Big Ten tournament as a general okay. rule, but okay. I did say they were going to lose to Wisconsin. So, yeah. you know, fair. Um, I think you could probably say they deserve to be in the NIT, but I think that if it's not about recency bias, it's about you know, the full body of work when you're evaluating who's going to get into the tournament and who's going to get into the NIT. And you can't just look at who's gotten hot recently because they finally, you know, cut the cord with Zed Key. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it is what it is. Uh, They probably could be in the NIT, but to the point that we made earlier about, them not being in the tournament and being able to just like kind of enjoy the experience as a neutral observer. I'm glad they're not in the NIT. It's one less thing I have to worry about. You know, who was in the NIT Michigan and they, and they lost to who did they, they gave, they gave, they were leading and they gave up a comeback to who was it? Oh my God. Well, it just goes to show. Yeah, exactly how important the NIT is to our collective consciousness. No, exactly. Um, but but I still know Michigan lost, and I can make fun of them for it. Yeah, and Vanderbilt took them out actually. Him. Vanderbilt, which is Michigan's out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> which my you know what my sister is a proud graduate of. So there you go. Of Michigan cool. or Vandy? Vandy. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, my aunt yeah. went there. She went there actually. She went there, and then she transferred to Ohio State after Ooh. she. Yeah. 
Good call on her part. N- Nashville's a cool city, but uh, I don't know that I could have gotten the Vandy. That's a little too hoity-toity for my blood. Also, I'm dumb and would not have gotten it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's well, also that slight limitation. I, um, I, I, I'd have trouble, uh, you know, aligning myself with a place that calls them the the Harvard of the South. But you know, <laughs> that's right. Well, and there you go. The Harvard of the South be the Harvard of the West. Um, so Matt in Minneapolis asks, well, actually, it gives us some information we were talking about uh, CrossFit last week and what a Murph is. And I guess it's a type of workout in CrossFit. I did not know what it is. I guess it sounds gross. Well, it's in reference to a guy named Michael Murphy, who was a uh, Lieutenant in the American army uh, got killed in Afghanistan uh, who I guess did this particular workout in 32 minutes. Uh, what you have to do for it is you have to run a mile, do a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then you run that mile wearing a uh, weighted vest of at least 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt says that th- the guys and I also put 135 on the barbell to do the squats to make it a little extra spicy. He did 300. I'm not doing any of that. He did 300 squats with a 135-pound barbell. According, Matt in Minneapolis apparently does, and that missed me. Matt, that. do you even lift, bro? Yeah, give me – oh, my God, dude. That's – pretty unbelievable he also wants to mention something we talked about with lawnmowers in winter and you know he is matt in minneapolis i would assume that he knows a little bit about this um it helps when the motor is warmer use a space heater in the garage or bring it into the house for a little bit (laughs) my house barely holds myself and two other people i don't think we'll be able to put the lawnmower inside the garage um okay so he has this question here it's about languages um so Last week, we had a question like, what is one language you always wish you could learn? I said Spanish just because it's, you know, so ubiquitous in the United States and really useful. Although I have in my life encountered other languages. Um, you know, I lived in Japan. Would have been great if I had. Although I I did know Japanese. I mean, I, I spoke a, a decent amount of Japanese when I was there. I've lost almost all of it. But um, but he says, wouldn't it behoove people to learn Arabic as roughly 20% of the global population speaks Arabic, especially uh, considering recent Islamic rulings? Uh, allowing people of Islamic faith to invest in the financial markets. There's a lot of uh, foreign investment, obviously, uh, from Arabic nations. I think that's a good point. What I would say about this, though. You're going down that path. I'd learn Cantonese or Mandarin first. Well, right. And that's kind of what Andy was saying. The thing about it is, is that, so in my job, I I speak with people from Arabic countries and things like that pretty often. Uh Um, But they often speak a more colloquial regional language like Somali or something like that as, as their primary, you know, language besides English. And I'm like, well, if that were the case, and especially given Columbus is such a, uh, has such a large Somali immigrant population, in addition to a Nepalese and Bhutanese population, I think I would go with something. If, if I'm going that track, right. And I'm, it's in my job on a regular basis. I think those would be the ones I'd look at just because it feels like it would be more of a, I don't know, uh, easier way to meet people where they're at, I guess. Um, but I think that's a good point, though. Like Arabic, obviously, I mean, twenty percent of the global population speaking something that that means something. That's that's significant. Uh, so I think that's a good point. Um, last one here. This is from a good friend. Al- you know what? I take that back. We got one more after album. But this is from a good friend, Alvin, who just wants to know what our favorite Cinderella team is so far. So we've talked about the upsets. We've talked about you know the Princetons and the Fairleigh Dickinsons. Uh, of the upsets that has happened, George, who is your favorite team so far to watch or, you know, that you've been rooting for? I mean, I don't want to steal your answer, but I mean, that that 
Iverson move that that point guard on. Oh my god, dude! Harley Dickinson pulled out last night. Oh my! It was. I think he was. I think it was a Reynoldsburg native, right? Wasn't that kid? I I Uh, I don't know, man. Roberts, I think was his last name. Yeah, that uh, that was some saucy. I had a I had a buddy in middle school that that was like his signature move, and just seeing that get with with the reverse layup too, and like just seeing that get pulled off at a March Madness tournament game was just so beautiful. Here's the reason why Fairleigh Dickinson is the answer. All right, you've got an entire conference, and people were mentioning this on Twitter too. I don't want to pretend like I just thought of this or I'm smart, but. Uh, you had an entire conference that could not deal with Zach Eady the entire year, who basically said he's too big. We're not big enough. We don't have anybody who can match up against them. We don't know how to deal with it. Uh, they're just too athletic. They're too big. They're too strong, blah, blah, blah. The entire Big Ten conference, which prides itself on being a physical conference filled with big dudes and you know buzz cuts who should, by all rights, be able to find someone to match up against this guy. And then the smallest team all of division one basketball comes out and basically beats the hell out of them. <laughs> that they, that they dare an upset of Purdue. that's an upset of the entire big 10 conference that's what i love about that so that's I, why they're the answer for me I and then they go I, out and they have this incredible game against fau i mean just inta- entertaining as hell um they're my answer by far I, I I did a lot of lamenting about it um, already when it, while it was happening, but mm-hmm. I, I I think that it was a lot more self inflicted by Purdue than success on. It doesn't Earth. matter. Still funny. Well, I mean, you're right. You're right. No, you're it's right. hilarious. But I mean, they they dared Purdue to shoot. And right. they said, and you guys you. shoot 32%, so go ahead and take 24 threes, and we bet you won't make a lot of them. And then what we're going to do is they're comfortable doing that because they're like, oh, Edie's a foot taller than everyone, so he's going to get all the misses, right? Well, not if not if FDU triple teams and everyone out at Purdue is already out at the arc, then they're right. going to get all the misses because Edie yeah. can't move. All he can do is swat the ball out of bounds. Or Why didn't anybody else do that? And that's, uh, that's what I'm saying, man. Like – it's it's a lack of it's a failure of imagination on the part of the Big Ten to just say screw it. This is You're what we're going to do. Really right about that. I, I will agree with you on that. So it's an upset of Purdue. It's an upset of the entire Big Ten. It's hilarious. Uh, it's a sixteen-one upset, man. It's only happened one other time, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And here's the other thing: if you're you know an Ohio State basketball enjoyer, it takes a little bit of the heat. Off of Ohio State losing as fit, you know, as a as a two seed because that happened obviously again in this tournament, and you get another one sixteen loss. So I don't know. I I enjoy it uh, in many respects, and that was uh, and that's why I said it was a fireable offense for Painter. I mean, you lose to a thirteen, fifteen, and sixteen oh seed God. within you know as many years of each other, especially fifteen, sixteen back to back. I don't know how you bring that guy back. It's the, it was it was the biggest case of self sabotage I've ever seen in the tournament. Ever. Yeah, and they've done it. It, it was unbelievable. Consistent. Yeah, it's it's been something that's been a problem for them for you know multiple years running now. And that's yeah. I I agree with you. If if that's and especially at a school where that's that's your primary sport, you know what I mean? Like that's imagine the if they imagine if Chris Holtman did that shit. Like I, I like it's unbelievable. It, yeah. it, 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 there, the, he wouldn't survive. Like yeah. if it, it, it because it's one thing not to get in or look bad in a year, but to to look that bad consistently, that would be really. If rough. he lost to Oral Roberts and then lost to a 16 seed the following year, he he would not be working at Ohio State. He yeah. wouldn't be. 
It wouldn't so, have gotten an extension. We can only say that. I no, think. absolutely. <laughs> now I will oh, say my my I will one quick shout out I want to give the the Cinderella that didn't make it but I was really hoping was going to make some noise was College of Charleston because they were one of the coolest stories in college basketball this year and they played uh, you know when San Diego State played Ohio State at the beginning of the year and there was a lot of optimism around Ohio State based on how they did at the the Maui Invitational I think and against some of their non-conference opponents San Diego State was one of the teams that beat them in the early part of the season, and they looked pretty good doing it. And, you know, College of Charleston, they played them close. They only lost by, I think, six in the opening round. So it was – I was really hopeful they were going to make some noise. I think they went like 31-3 and three during the regular season. They were like yeah. far and away the best team in that school's history. And, you know, they're very, very small uh, – college in the town that my my parents currently retire and so i uh i was i was hopeful to, that they were going to make some noise and you know put that city on the map for a little bit but uh it's unfortunate they didn't get to make some noise but they were they were my favorite cinderella that didn't get to dance well i'll tell you what you know what this this next question is kind of related to what we were just talking about this is from Absolutely. julio um who wants to know looking at uva's tournament results over the last four or five years where essentially it's been all or nothing right you know you do either win an national championship or you look like complete ass um would you rather have the buckeyes be mediocre and have okay results in the tournament so you know maybe 16 sweet 16s getting to lead eights maybe a final four or win one national title and then have three massively embarrassing exits title uh, oh my god you, yeah 100 are you gonna it's be won a national title since what the 1960s late 1950s you, the it's the the it's the way that you live life you know it's there's the bad things are going to happen whether or not you you want them to or not you you work as hard as you can for a shot at glory and you hope that it comes to you and uh if i get a guaranteed opportunity to see ohio state do that at the expense of them seeing three other really catastrophic things i'll i'll be more than happy to remind myself that i got to see them win a title and that would be really cool they, so not even close they haven't won a national title in 63 years <laughs> okay national title 100 they could they could be the number one seed and lose by 40 they to lost to a 16 a, seed three times, but if they won a national title, like one time in between that, I don't care. That's they fine. lost to a 15 seed very recently, and yep. there's only two teams that have lost to 16 seeds ever as of last week. So I'm like the potential for is it gonna get? The, the right the potential for further embarrassment than where we've already been recently is right. is very 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 slim. So right. I will gladly invite that for yeah. a shot of glory. Yeah, no one. I mean, that's how many generations of people have gone and not seen an Ohio State men's basketball championship. Sir, I, you're I will, talking to a Chicago Cubs fan. Well, there. Oh, Jesus. I mean, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, and you know, and the Reds haven't. You know, they haven't won a postseason series since I was ten, and you know, it's just one of those things. So. The thing is, is that we, we, and I think we do this in, in football because Ohio State is always there and, you know, they, they feel like you have a chance to win an national championship every single year. But with men's basketball, it, it, it is so much more of a crapshoot because of what you have to navigate to get to that. 
meaning that those wins are, you know, those national championships feel so much more special and so much rare, more rare, rare, whatever, um, than you would expect just because of the nature of how you have to attain them. Um, yeah, man, that would be like, again, I've, I've been alive for, you know, two Ohio state football championships. They were both pretty awesome, but I think I would potentially get even more excitement and enjoyment out of an Ohio state men's basketball, uh, national championship, not because I enjoy men's basketball more than football, but because it would feel so much more like a little precious jewel that you will never see again. Um, so yeah, give me, give me national championship 100 times out of hundred times. I think that would be awesome. Thank you for asking those questions for ask us anything. They were fantastic. As always, we will continue to answer them. Let's get out of here on this Ohio state women's hockey, unfortunately, uh, could not, uh, continue their, their right of dominance. And, and they lost in the national championship game to Wisconsin one nil. It was a difficult game to watch because I think, Ohio State in general was the better team, um, but Wisconsin got a great, uh, you know, kind of a uh, comebacker um, goal earlier on in the uh, the first period, and then basically just parked the bus for the rest of the game, and Ohio State just couldn't break through. Um, had a lot of good chances, but it was just it was a really good defensive performance from Wisconsin, uh, a brief defensive lapse from Ohio State. And, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. But I got to tell you something, man. I mean, this is a team that has proved its mettle. They're going to get some nice new ice here relatively soon, which they have 100% earned. Uh, you got to see the uh, the best player in women's college hockey out there. And so with Jax, uh, that was it was a really great season overall. And um, I think they deserve a lot of recognition and a lot of appreciation. And I hope maybe, you know, Nadine Muzzerall gets gets that team the attention that they deserve. Because, yeah, I was going to say, um, as long as she's not going anywhere, I think that this program is uh, she's, on a very she's awesome. trajectory. So. I love, I love, I love her as a coach. I love her as a person who gives a good quote because she's a great quote and a great interview. Um, she and I believe she's a finalist words. for coach of the year again. So I, I hope she gets that. I don't know when yeah, they're going to announce it, but uh, she definitely deserves it. And, and you know what? And like I said, they deserve a little bit more eyes on them. I'm glad they got to have a national uh, stage, even though they didn't, you know, pull it off. But um, that was a lot of fun. And they were a lot of fun. They will continue to be a lot of fun. And I don't know, man. It, hockey is one of those sports. I went to see a lot of men's hockey um, when I was in college at the shot, you know, pretty cheap tickets, fun sport to watch. But I'm starting to get a little starting to get a little emotionally invested in these teams. Uh, men's hockey, by the way, number three seed in the NCAA uh, championship. They've got a shot if they can, you know, maybe continue doing some of the stuff they've been doing. Um, kind of an up and down season for the men's hockey team. Uh, they finished, uh, I think, 2015 and three. Uh, that's good for third place in the Big Ten standings. But, um, you know, they, they, they still have a chance to make some noise. So hopefully you see that. A lot of other non-revenue sports stuff going on. Men's tennis continues to be pretty kick-ass. Um, you know, men's wrestling, wrestling in general, uh, they finished fourth in the NCAA championships. That's a big deal because they had actually, I think, been like nine and 13th in previous years. So they are definitely, um, you know, on the upswing and, uh, you know, they, they brought home some hardware too. They look pretty well, good. Well, I mean, it's been uh, the last, this coming week is a great one too. And the last week was, you know, I mean, you alluded to the wrestling team, um, 
you know, we've been watching the women's basketball team in March Madness. Obviously, hockey tried to win the national championship last night. Women's swim and dive uh, took sixth place at the NCAA championships last week. The Ohio State pistol team won a third title in a row. Oh, yeah. The fourth one since 2018. And the eighth one since 2000, which is a third of all the titles that have been uh, there this millennium. And they're going to the intercollegiate championships this week. Men's swim and dive is also going to a national championship competition this week. So is synchronized swimming. And so is men's fencing. And then this weekend, women's fencing is going to try for a national title too. The whole athletic department is kicking butt right now. And yep. it is an awesome time to be an Ohio State sports fan. So go get your fill of supporting your Buckeyes in their post or pursuit of postseason glory, wherever it may be. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then you know what? And people talk about like why does Ohio State sponsor so many of these varsity sports? Well, this is why because they're winning championships and they're really, really, really good, and they can. And I just you know, like I said, I I like when these non-rev sports get the attention they deserve. They're working their butts off just as hard as anybody else. Um, it's, it's, and the other thing that I really enjoy is that Ohio state starting to put their money where their mouth is a little bit and giving them dedicated spaces to be awesome. And that's, that's all you can really ask. And, you know, if you live in the Columbus area, if you're looking for a thing to do, if you're looking for a sport to check out, inspire your kids, all that kind of stuff, they're there, they're, they're there and available for you to check out and to see, um, and especially, you know, man, we're, it's the off season. So like, what, what is your excuse? Who says no to an Ohio state, you know, ba- you know, baseball game or, you know, to go see tennis, just do their thing or, you know, women's or men's hockey. Like that's, it's a fun thing to do. It's a good thing to check out the energy in some of these places, especially for like wrestling, like Philly center, that is just electric people get into it. And, um, you know, Columbus is a sports town. I think you should lean on that a little bit. I think we should yeah, take more advantage of it. I'm not sure if the fans are aware of this, but there are athletic events that take place during spring other than yes, that's true. the spring right. game. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so check those out. Uh, George, I want to tell you, thanks again for filling in. You did an awesome job, as always. Um, we're glad to have you. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back soon, man. That sounds good, Johnny. I always appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Let's uh, let's hope for a great rest of March Madness, and uh, let's hope everyone you know makes it out of the spring game healthy. And uh, That's right. we'll, we'll see how the rest of the off season goes. Yep. So in the future here, we'll be looking at spring game. We'll check out the lead up to the NFL draft. Uh, we'll, of course, as you just said, um, you know, kind of analyze the end of March Madness. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.